to the Lost at Home podcast. Here are your hosts, Scott Bear and Jeremiah Johnson. Welcome to the show. We're back for episode 104. It's is- in already. And my name is Scott. Thank you. And? Oh, I'm Jeremiah. <laughs> I thought you were uh, insinuating that that was me introducing myself as... <laughs> I mean, do as you do, yeah. do as you will. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that's my name. is is just a uh, uh, an '80s metal, but not not good metal, like '80s hair metal, like. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's my name. So welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> yes, we thank got you a good everyone one for, for you. In. Got a great one for you. We got an amazing one for you. By the time you're done hearing this, you're gonna be so sick of how great it is. You'll be so sick of winning. I'm Donald Trump. That's my that's my Trump impersonation. It's actually not half bad. Oh really? No, I like it. Oh, I thought it was horrible, but no, 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 no. It's passable. Because it started. I started out actually a little bit as Bernie Sanders. I realized it was getting a little too. Because they both got like a little bit of the New York thing in yeah. them. But like one of them's more like a like crazy New York Jewish guy, and the other one's Donald Trump. You hear oh, the difference? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you no, purposely the other skewed ones, those to yeah, be similar. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, it's far better than my Paula Dean. No, it's not. Nothing's better than your Paula Dean, baby. All right. Um, now, before we get into the show and our interview this week with uh, David Michael Latt, uh, co-founder of Asylum Studios, uh, we have a few shout-outs to do this week. Uh, we're going to do uh, Pottern Family shout-outs. If you go on Twitter and you search out the hashtag Pottern Family, you will see our show and a host of almost, I believe, 80 or 90 other podcasts at this point. It's a it's growing It's climbing. The number's great. Yeah. In fact, last week uh, on the trending page for uh, Twitter events in the world, things that have been happening, uh, Pottern Family was actually trending last week. Yeah, right next to Kanye. Uh, was, literally, literally, actually. <laughs> yeah, was, was, so uh, was, I didn't even check, but Kanye, tw- I, I'm not going to completely pretend that Potter and Family doesn't exist as I start talking about Kanye again. Apparently Kanye is, uh, is like $53 million in debt or something like that. Oh, here. good for him. Um, yeah, you know, uh, so that you buy his album. Kanye needs your help, everybody. That's the real important takeaway here is hashtag uh, Kanye cares. There you go. With two Ks. Uh, but yeah, Potter family, continue. Sorry. <laughs> That's quite all Sometimes, right. Sometimes uh, Kanye takes precedent. Now, we're going to uh, shout out to Potter and family podcast members who are a little less uh, a little less known. They're newer members. Uh, I noticed each week they get a few less retweets and a few less likes than you know, some of the other members of the family. So we're going to give a shout out to At Pod in the Woods, which is a horror podcast that I personally listen to every week. Uh, it's actually how I've discovered a few of the horror gems that I've watched recently. Uh, they have good reviews, uh, good commentary on film, and uh, yeah. It's honestly something that I've enjoyed. Uh, for the two years I've been searching for a good horror podcast, I feel like I finally found something that I can land on and enjoy. Awesome. And uh, as much horror can be put out there in the world. Uh, horror it, like horror movies, not real horror. But uh, the, the better. So appreciate uh, good quality content like that. Yeah, if you're looking for them on, a podcast, on a iTunes, their podcast is Podcast in the Woods. And on Twitter, they are Pod in the Woods. Uh, another show we'd like to shout out is Little Geek Lost Podcast, and uh, they don't have an official Twitter for the podcast up yet, but one of the uh, co-hosts of the show, you can find at Cyanide, uh, C-Y-A-N-N-I-D-E, and uh, you can give them a shout out and look into their show, which is also on iTunes. It's, uh, it's a geek-related show. It's good. It's got good content. Uh, I enjoy it personally, and um, yeah. Uh, uh, with- yeah, I'd always like, uh, again, trying to figure out where... Um, Grammar and language like, uh, usage and mechanics and pol and like commas and stuff come in because I feel like there's two ways to take I enjoy it personally, um, like whether you should just, I have I said I personally, personally enjoyed it? Yeah, I enjoy it personally. 
uh, would be like with a comment there, but like I enjoy it personally. Would be like you fuck yourself with the show. Oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, Uh, For some reason, personal means you fuck yourself with something because that's the way. Yeah, one personal pizza, please. You gotta fuck yourself with that, sir. Yeah. What else would I do with a personal pizza? I enjoy it personally. I like the way you went with that. I mean, in this day and age, with all this new media surrounding us, there's a lot of ways to personally take things. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I take it personally. (laughs) Yeah. You want some breadsticks with it? No, I'm not a monster. What am I gonna do? Shove breadsticks up my ass? One pizza, I can roll it up, stuff it up my asshole, and fuck myself with it. Personal pizza. Not a family pizza. I'm not into that weird, crazy incest shit, you asshole. Uh, and on that note, uh, oh, sure. let's roll right into the interview with David Michael Lott. Uh, thank Lat. You. Lat, yes. We actually had to get that corrected before we went on air. Because I wasn't sure it was Latte or Rat like the band. It's uh, Rat like the band, so it's Because of two T's, yeah. yeah. He's, he said Lat like Rat, and I assumed like Rat like the band because of the two T's. That's where my like, and that's where the metal starting out at the beginning of the show. I assume things too, like yeah. that. David has never listened to our podcast before. Yep. So without further ado, here is David. We are sitting down today with David Michael Latt, co-founder of Asylum Studios. Asylum Studios is an award-winning film studio renowned for producing films every three to four weeks, often mock-ups of major motion pictures. Uh, Pacific Rim had its own version in Asylum Studios known as Atlantic Rim, and uh, they are also known for the Sharknado movie series and the hit show Z Nation on Sci-Fi Network, along with many other Sci-Fi Network horror, Sci-Fi, and a little bit of a mix of the both as far as movies go. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, everyone. Right. Uh, I was going to say, we. Uh, I thought about listing out every movie on your IMDb page, but I feel like it would have consumed the entirety of this interview because you, as uh, as Scott mentioned uh, at the beginning there, uh, you put out quite a few, um, and uh, it, it's quite an exhaustive list to, to go through that. So I implore everybody, before even starting, to sit down with the IMDb list right next to you and uh, take a look at some of these movies. You can start with Star Wars, and um, <laughs> and I guess we didn't do that. So, yeah. Yeah, the list is a little bit smaller than that. But yeah, uh, we've uh, produced, I've produced uh, a little over 200 movies. That's incredible. Um, I guess before we get too far into this, uh, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, How did Asylum Studios come to be? Oh, back in the day. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, it started about, uh, ooh, we're in our 19th year, so almost 20 years ago. Um, My uh, partner, uh, a man named David Ramawi, and I uh, made our first show together um, and um, uh, we basically at the time we had uh, uh, day jobs uh, and we were making prior to that point before we formed the company um, we're making a film every about a year and a half and uh, it just so happened in the same month we both got fired from different jobs um, his he got fired because uh, the company merged and became Village Roadshow uh, I got fired for gross incompetence um, so uh, that worked out well. And so we started the company with another a third partner by a woman named Sherry Strain. And we worked out of my uh, partner's uh, apartment for four years. And we basically did whatever we could. And I'm not proud of the things that I did back then, but we needed the money. We were young. Um, and uh, we don't have to get into much detail. But um, <laughs> uh, a lot of production service work. Uh, I cut trailers. Um, I'm a production guy. So, you know, I pretty much have done everything on the set. Uh, not well, but I've done everything on the set and um, and continue to do that. Uh, Ramawi is always a business guy and um, uh, handled you know more you know uh, long term business plans uh, and whatnot. We uh, he got us into a deal uh, early on with one of his Village Roadshow um, uh, executives uh, where we released movies uh, for the first four years of our existence, um, art house movies of all things. 
Um, we had an exclusive deal with Hollywood Video um, under a banner called First Rights, where we would release six to ten movies every single month um, of first-time filmmakers. We had our own special kiosks and our own special packaging, and um, uh, we uh, we were a distributor primarily. Uh, it only kind of merged into production uh, a because we wanted to do production very badly, and b because um, when we opened up the doors to a different company called Blockbuster, um, a video chain at the time, very successful one, the largest one in, in the world, uh, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of them. Yeah, we remember <laughs> those days, yeah. Uh, they, uh, they wanted very specific titles from us, and we couldn't produce, we couldn't acquire those because we were competing with uh, Lionsgate and other uh, companies at the time, and we couldn't offer a minimum guarantee to film. So it just was, we kind of, had a come to Jesus moment and said, "Look, what if we produce these movies that you you want very specific movies of?" And um, uh, that's how we started making a movie a month. Um, we had an output deal with Blockbuster for one a month, and we started producing very specific movies for them once a month. Um, again, prior to that, we were making uh, a film. We were producing a film about every year and a half, uh, and so that really kind of ramped up the production. And now we're at two to three a month. Um, you know, keeping the same model, even though we don't have those partners anymore, because. Um, they went under and we didn't. I guess content <laughs> is king, uh, yeah. as they say. And I guess in this new day and age, we have new uh, distribution networks. I mean, uh, you work with Sci-Fi Network pretty closely, uh, but what about Netflix and uh, Vimeo and other new uh, forms of streaming platforms and VOD? Have you been getting into that market? Oh, absolutely. I mean, The Asylum is a, uh, is a studio. And what that kind of means is that we, um, well, besides not having uh, a rat for mascot or uh, amusement park rides, uh, we operate the same way as the studio. We develop projects, we uh, produce the projects, uh, we have in-house facilities to produce the projects um, from editorial to visual effects to uh, production uh, needs um, to sale, selling the project, uh, to finding a distribution partner, uh, a buyer, uh, direct contracts. Um, we have a whole sales team. So um, it's a one-stop shop uh, and, um, and basically, uh, yes, there we have contracts and deals with Netflix, Vimeo, Hulu, YouTube, Xbox, you know, Walmart, um, you know, anyone, anyone that will buy our stuff. We're gonna, we're gonna be best friends with. Okay. And uh, speaking of buying your stuff, um, I've heard basically the only thing I've found over the internet that's consistent about Asylum Films is that you guys are super profitable when it comes to making these movies. Uh, Not anymore. No? <laughs> I was going to say, how, how do you manage to keep uh, every film above board? You haven't had a single one, as far as I can tell, that went uh, over budget or lost money. Well, I mean, it's, the model has changed quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, whereas actually you could make a healthy margin um, and employ the almost 50 people that we have here on staff, uh, the models, because of the internet and uh, SVOD and all that stuff, has really shrunk it down quite to a miserable you know existence you could make the same money but it just takes a hell of a lot longer and uh, and a lot more contracts um, so um, there's it, it's it's a tough market there because there are so many venues to release the film and whereas you had like one or you know maybe like five sources before and they were paying in the six figures you now have 30 sources that will pay 500 bucks a thousand bucks I mean you, you really got to kind of piece it together pretty well. So it's, it's a tough business out there, especially for the independents, um, because we, we handle our own distribution um, and we don't pay a middleman. 
a producer out there that's making a film for $300,000, I don't know how they make money because you have to pay the agents, you have to pay the sales agents, the distribu uh, distributor, the marketing fees, et cetera, et cetera, and there's just no money left uh, at the end of the day. Well, so, I, I definitely, uh, and I've heard plenty about that uh, being kind of a trade-off in terms of, um, it's, it, it's almost like this uh, painful trade-off in the music industry as well where, you know, it, on one hand you get, you know, a lot of times your product out to a broader audience, um, but at the same, but at the same time, you're actually making less by doing that. Do you consider the positivity of getting it out to more people, uh, like any kind of, um, I don't want to say justification for less money, but, uh, do it, does that help cushion the blow or are you just pretty much like, I wish, obviously you wish you could have both, but uh, does it help actually? I was never the popular kid, so I don't miss it. Uh, no, I'd rather, you know, I, I love that our films find an audience, um, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's it's great on that end. But um, if if we can't make the money to keep the doors open, there's no audience to make it for. I mean, you know, there's just uh, we need the ability to make the the films and the and, and the shows. So um, it, it's. I've never worried about the audience. They're, I assume they're there because the buyer is more in tune with the audience than I am. Because, you know, going back to why we've never lost any money on a film is because I don't know if we've ever had an original idea at the asylum. Uh, we get all of our cues from <laughs> our buyers. They tell us what to make. I mean, that that happened with Blockbuster and that happens with, you know, sci-fi. That happens with everybody. Um, through the 20 years of the, of the company, they tell us what to make. And that pretty much ensures us what we're gonna, uh, you know, how much we're gonna make at the other end of it, even if there's a contract or not. I mean, and we've got it down to a science now. We kind of know what things are. So, if um, you know, if if there's less money on the return, believe me, we're making these m movies for a lot less money, so that we can, you know, hopefully make a profit to keep the doors open. We are a cash flow company, which means that um, uh, we have no investors. We have no big money behind us. Uh, it's just us um, making sure that if we, so when we make a movie, that has to go to the marketplace right away, and then the audience watches it and pays for it, and then that, that income funds the next movie, and it's kind of this vicious cycle, um, which is why we kind of make a lot of movies. It's not like we truly want to make all these movies. It's a survival <laughs> mechanism or anything else. I mean, the good news is, is that we love what we do. Uh, we don't feel like we're making widgets. I mean, this is the, the business that we love or we're passionate about and uh, and are excited about you know to do every every day we wake up excited about the possibility so um, it's no one has to feel sorry for us but uh, we do have to try and make some money in this weird crazy market we'll get through it um, you know we there have been trends you know ups and downs before this one just happens to be one for the <laughs> for the book except it scratch your head and go, okay, how are, you, how are we going to navigate through this uh, craziness? Yeah, and I really hope, uh, you know, for, for that sake, because I feel the same way again with streaming music and stuff, is that uh, the, the market's try, trying to figure itself out and to try to, and uh, you've got all these people who feel entitled to free creative content and they don't realize that, and they don't even want to watch commercials in their Hulus anymore, but they also don't want to pay for it. And at the same time, they have to realize, well, you're going to be shrinking the amount of content that's actually being produced for you. So you have to, right. at some point, something's got to give. I remember having to save up all my money for $18 CDs back in the long box CD days and stuff. And like that, I just had to do that. And it's great. I don't have to maybe go that far and give all my money to the big production companies and little to the artists, but it'd be great if the artists continue to make the money so they can continue to make the product. But, um, I remember when, um, I went to my son's birthday party. Um, he was four years old at the time 
and the parents were lawyers and um, uh, they were really excited because part of the agenda was to um, show Bolt which um, had just come out of the theaters and I was like oh this is wonderful you know so you're you know I was talking to the lawyer I'm like so you're an academy member I mean you got the screener because we were getting the screeners at the time and he's like no no I found this great site it's on the internet and it's free and it's, it's HD it's amazing and, and we, we can watch every movie you want to watch every film we can watch it on every I'm like you're an idiot yeah <laughs> you know, but if it's on the internet if it's on you know it's and it's free it's meant to be there's no harm no foul but yeah, I mean it's it, it, it's definitely a tough tough one to traverse, and um, and I I was actually curious because you do bring up you know kind of staying on the financial realm here, uh, your buyers uh, specifically helping to kind of steer you in the direction of what content to produce. Do your buyers happen to have a bias for sharks, or is that just because uh, that's what the uh, the uh, business uh, is looking for? Is that what your audience is looking for? Or does somebody really love sharks? Because you've got I don't know how many if you've counted, but you've got a lot of shark movies, and they're all awesome. But there are a well, lot you know, it's one of those things where. It, 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 it does well, and again, they know their audience. We don't. So, if shark films uh, trend well, then we're making shark movies. Right, um, right now with sci-fi, it does very well. So, we do a lot of content for sci-fi. So, we're the shark guys in a lot of ways. Um, you know, for they they built a whole week around Sharknado. Um, uh, they started, I think, two years ago. In fact, last year, and, and this year they're doing it. And so, they ordered from us two more films. We're delivering three films for Sharknado week. Um, Planet of the Sharks, Ice Sharks, and Sharknado Four. Nice. Um, nice. <laughs> so it's uh, there's a lot of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it. I absolutely was not criticizing. I think I've seen probably 99% of the shark movies that you've got listed up there. Um, uh, so you like sharks? There you go. That's yeah. the reason why. I'm so yeah, I mean, I always liked uh, Shark Week, the actual Shark Week, uh, the 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 Shark Week from Discovery Channel from way back. So I was really excited to see the Shark Week film, not uh, just recently. Actually, I, I should as a little aside. Thank you for being on uh, our podcast, not just for, for doing the uh, interview, but because I love anything that justifies me doing, quote unquote, homework uh, by just watching tons and tons of these awesome like monster movies. So for that alone, uh, thanks for being here. Well, uh, geez, I, I didn't mean to make you do some work. I, I don't think I, I've seen any of my movies, so it's, uh, <laughs> I've seen enough for, for, for both of us. That's for sure. Yeah, I've actually realized that I've seen a lot over the years, and the connection's always that uh, that very iconic asylum door logo you have. Um, I piece that together over the years, where I'm like, oh wait, I've actually watched a lot of this studio's movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan of like, let's change it up and do whatever. My partner is so good at marketing, and 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 I mean. He, he really is a, a phenomenal kind of idiot savant in that regards. I mean, keeping everything consistent, making sure that logo is always there, um, a consistency of, of, of brand and uh, and all that. And he's the one who really, you know, pushed the, the mockbusters that you talked about earlier. Um, and, you know, that's all marketing because the content of those shows, which I'm responsible for, um, is its own beast. I mean, they're their own stories. They're their own um, characters. We don't copy from any script, you know, reading scripts ahead of time. It's just, you know, it's, it's creating content that, um, uh, that we think that, uh, well, the buyer wants, the audience wants, they're interested in at the time. And so we make Transmorphers um, when Transformers comes out. Exactly. <laughs> now, you do have something in the pipeline right now that's getting close to coming out. Jerry, what was the name of it? Was it Dead 7? I believe it was Dead 7 is the, the, the production title, at least, that's listed. Uh, I'm a little bit excited about this one because it, from what I understand, uh, you can give us some more detail about this, but from what I understand, it's pretty much a boy band horror western of sorts? That's exactly it. Okay. Perfect. 
Um, a clear uh, ripoff of Hateful Eight. <laughs> uh, yes, no, more like Spotlight. It was a clear ripoff of Spotlight. Spotlight. Uh, yes. uh, uh, you know what? It's what it's as we're changing the model of the asylum and figuring out what what the asylum 2.0 is going to be. Um, Nick Carter um, came knocking at the door. He's a fanboy, not only of our brand but of the genre itself, uh, zombies and horror, and. Um, uh, he basically made us an offer we couldn't refuse, which was, you know, hey, look, I, I've always wanted to make a film. Um, uh, I can, it's a zombie film, which is like in, in our wheelhouse. Um, I will bring to the table, you know, my friends um, and make it a boy band uh, zombie film. But it's, it's, you know, it's not tongue in cheek. This is going to be a, a real intense blood fest. And uh, but it just happens to have you know Joy Fatone and Chris Patrick and you know any any you know, a whole host of people, and um, uh, you know do you want to do it? And we're like, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> so this is one of the first instances where someone actually pitched us and and brought us a project that we in turn turned around to our buyers and said, hey, look, we have this opportunity. Uh, should we do it? And everyone, of course, said yes. Um, again, usually it's the other way around where our buyers tell us what to make. We don't necessarily tell what. You know what we're going to sell them, um, so it was a very different kind of uh, way about it, and uh, and you know it's looking great. I keep seeing probably a new cut every other day. We're we're in the final uh, moments of it because I I believe Sci-Fi is going to premiere it in April, um, and uh, it, it's it is fun. It's fun. <laughs> they shot it, they shot it up in Montana. There probably is like twenty five different. You know, cameos. It's very Sharknado esque in that regards, but again, tone wise, it's very serious. Um, and uh, I, I, it's it's gonna it's gonna help everyone involved. I mean, I think it changes what we do a little bit, and it uh, kind of I think people will perceive Nick Carter in a different way. And uh, uh, it's it's great, a lot of fun. Now, I've seen a, I've seen what I'm gonna refer to here as conflicting IMDb cast list for the movie. I don't know if some were attached to, uh, you know, IMDb sometimes posts articles by different Hollywood reporting places. Sure. And then below it will do their own IMDb based on the article. Um, I've seen some of those that include Stan Lee and Justin Timberlake as names in this film. Uh, is there any truth to that or is IMDb just being a little off? Well, IMDb is um, is interesting because uh, well, the short answer is they're off, and I'm sorry to say that, but uh, it, they're interesting because anyone can actually put things up there. You can go in and if you want to produce Star Wars, go put your name on. Uh, IMDb is very they don't care, um, and um, to the extent that you could even prove that you didn't, you know, the makers of Star Wars can prove that you didn't do it, and they don't care unless, of course, you actually. Have George Lucas calling them up, and then you know, then it becomes a big deal. But um, I've gone round and round with them so many times because people, for whatever reason, I don't know why, have claimed to produce films that I have made, and um, uh, and they put their name on as producers. And um, I have gone round and round with IMDb, and they refuse to take it off. I will show them the films. I'll write letters. To, um, so I'm kind of done with IMDb. It's a bunch of you know, 15 uh, year olds that kind of want to. You know, game the system with their credits. So if they put um, Stan Lee and Justin Timberlake on there, Whatever. sure. <laughs> and Obama has a you know a, a cameo. I think there's a love scene with uh, Trump. 
with it. I, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's let's put, let's that. let's get all that stuff on IMDb. I, I, I mean, wouldn't use it as as a good source. In yeah, other words. fair <laughs> enough. I think with that knowledge, later today I'm going to go make Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> go. You know, you do. You, you have better luck with more obscure titles, but you can still do it. Yeah, you, know? you can get it done. Uh, Somebody might it's correct. Like, it's like it. Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. We're. I mean, there, it's, it's probably driven by you know the community calling you know with outcry to try to get something removed or added, but you could probably sneak yourself in as like a a key grip or something and nobody's going to notice. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, do like the fugitive, something people don't think about, you know. Yeah, for, yeah. Right. right. They're like, oh, yeah. Uh, I was, I was, City they, Slickers. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, associate producer on City Slickers. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick something that, I, like, I. Was I curly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like four when that movie came out. <laughs> Um, I actually wanted to touch on you mentioned the cameos and I was uh, I, I actually wanted to touch on that because especially in the latest Sharknado film uh, they run all over the map everything from Mark Cuban as the president to Lou Ferrigno as a, a crazy fanboy um, now is this something where like uh, you and your crew kind of have a random wish list all over the place of who they, you'd like to get and you reach out or is it kind of uh, do people come to you and say kind of like Nick Carter and say I love your movies I love Sharknado can I just may- pop up in one of these movies you brought up Lou Ferrigno, and I, uh, I love this story, which is that he's having a story meeting with Sharknado 3, and he literally comes, not breaking down the door, but he's a big man. He could, and, he's a whole uh, As he comes, you know, busting through the door, and uh, he's I hear you're doing Sharknado 3. I'm like, yeah, I want to be in it. <laughs> like, all right, yeah. Like, all right, just don't get angry. Yeah. <laughs> you will like me when I'm angry. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, so it happens where people do approach us. And, uh, and and that certainly is happening a lot more. I mean, I'm for probably half of the people that we have in lined up um, approached us um, to be in it. Uh, and then we have our wish list, of course. Um, and then Sci-Fi has their wish list. In fact, you just got you know we're, we're shooting this movie shortly, and um, uh, we just got a, a wish list from Sci-Fi people. It's like, well, all right, <laughs> you know, let's let's figure this one out. But we'll figure it out. Um, and uh, and make it work. Uh, yeah, we definitely we, we sometimes get a cameo that day. Hey, we got you know uh, Ray J. Do we have a part for him? It's like uh, sure, we can you can make one. A technician. <laughs> gonna write right now and put it. Yeah, well I mean that's kinda like what it seemed like with, you know, Lou Ferrigno, it was hilarious to see him just pop up as sort of like this random fanboy knowing it's almost like it, it, the joke was who Lou Ferrigno really is and his menacing stature and, and what he was like. So it seems like you'd always write a little bit part in for somebody to be like, Yeah, boom, you're in the background here. So. Yeah, and, and 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 there's a lot of fun in that and joy in Sharknado. Um, because it, it, because everyone is somebody in, in in the crowd scenes, even in the crowd scenes, which you know, very rarely do we just hire extras from a, from a service because you know you have like the president of the network and and or the president of um, uh, you know the theme park uh, at Universal. They're in the background with their family and stuff, so it's it's maybe not people that you would recognize, uh, but they're they're there and um, uh, and they're and for that. If you're in that little click, you go, oh, my God, that's so-and-so. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. Uh, I have one final question of my own here. Um, with all the different ideas that you're getting uh, pitched to you from, you know, the, the groups that want to buy from you, has there ever been anything that you've explicitly turned down? Uh, well, again, from the buyer's point of view, no. 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 Once, the, once number- they come to you, they have money in hand, I'm assuming. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the only way that it wouldn't get produced is um, uh, we can't find additional buyers for it. We can't put the puzzle pieces together. So if, 
if Japan wanted a black and white World War II drama, um, we they're probably not going to pay enough in order to make that happen. So we'll probably have to call up you know a few other partners to make that project happen. And um, uh, if we can't get those pieces together, then we'd have to say no. Uh, but there hasn't been any kind of hey, we have this uh, really outrageous plot or or whatever that you know offends us. We're not very easily offended. And, um, and copyright doesn't seem to be much of an issue. Uh, any titles that I've seen that match other pre-existing titles are open realm things, like War of the Worlds, that's kind of open, you know? If it's public domain, yeah. I mean, we, we definitely uh, walk that line. Again, it's all about marketing. Um, in the UK for War of the Worlds, we couldn't release it as that because their copyright extended a little bit further, so it, mm, it was okay. released as Invasion. Okay, cool. So if you uh, were approached by a studio wanting to make Gremlins, Technically, mm -hmm. because it's just the name of a mythological creature, you could go ahead and make it? Not necessarily the case. There's also confusion in the marketplace issues that you have to deal with. We, we did The Hobbit, uh, Age of the Hobbit, and um, even though it was discovered that Tolkien didn't um, even come up with that word, um, there's such an association with Tolkien and The Hobbit that uh, we definitely uh, were pushing the limits. Uh, we, yeah. <laughs> So we ended up naming it Age of the Elves. That's the only time that we we actually it was a compromised uh, position between the, the two you know us and the studio. They kind of gave a little bit, we gave a little bit. But uh, I mean, we're not trying to make enemies on this stuff. Uh, but we definitely feel that when we go and do these things, we're in the right, uh, and um, and and we'll keep doing it. I mean, so uh, you have a situation where if we did something like Transformers um, and we get a letter from the studio. Uh, we will write another angry letter back, and that usually stops it. Yeah, that. I mean it's. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, that's why you can retain lawyers. They can look into all that kind of stuff and hopefully give you an answer. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, no, we don't want to be illegal. We don't want to be misleading. If 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 we were misleading anybody, we wouldn't sell anything because uh, we there would be a lot of uh, returns. Uh, our buyers wouldn't like it. There would be a lot of protests to it. Uh, and no, believe me, buyers do not want to have drama. If they got an inkling that there was any kind of drama with their customer base, they would just say, it's easier for us not to do something. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it, there's never been that. And, and, you know, the asylum's now a brand for 20 years. So you kind of pick it up. And if you see, um, you know, Ben Him instead of Ben Her, um, you're going to know <laughs> you see the asylum. Uh, logo on there, you kind of get know what you're going to get at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, I've I've definitely seen it, and you can kind of get you hopefully be able to guess. And there might be some people that are legitimately confused, and they buy their grandson the new Transformers movie or whatever, and they don't get what they're think they're getting. But that's like so few and far between. It'd be one thing if you were calling it definitely Michael Bay's Transformers versus something <laughs> like yeah, right, yeah. Well, it, you're not trying to uh, legitimately confuse people. You're kinda, no, again, I mean, it's mockbusters. So the example I give is now very very old uh, because. Uh, I'm an old guy, but when Da Vinci Code came out, was it Da Vinci Treasure? What was the, what was ours? What was theirs? I think it was Da Vinci Treasure. Uh, okay, when Vinci, uh, oh well, when the Code came out, when the Studio One came out, you can go into Blockbuster or one of the big box stores, Walmart, Target, and there will be kiosks of like 20 other different titles called the the Da Vinci Code Unre uh, Unraveled, the the Code Index, the mm -hmm. uh, you know the the truth behind Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, and these were legitimate movies or documentaries, all taking advantage of you know the studio release um, because everyone had an interest right. and I use that as an example to say it's because people have an interest and so when we do um, transmorphers and transformers um, it's because people have an interest in robots that transform 
And you know, if you if you're already that in your in your headspace and you want to see more of that, you're going to rent or buy what we produce. I also want to say that um, it sounds like that's a lot of what we do. At this point, it's a very low percentage of what we do. Um, you know, the the shows we produce now are marketed in a, a very kind of individualistic way. I mean, our partners are are primarily networks and studios, uh, Lifetime and. Uh, sci-fi and you know amongst others and, and and we produce just a lot of content for them that doesn't really ride on any kind of mockbuster yeah like uh, for instance Z Nation I mean there are other zombie shows but it's very unique in and of itself and yeah. it's very standalone I, I watch it every week I love the show Thank and, you. and it uh it is it's not a copy of Walking Dead it's it's not anything it's its own animal I think people were afraid of that going in. It's like, ah, oh, they saw them, they're, gonna, they're trying to mock us, uh, Walking Dead. Even I didn't understand the nuances of what the showrunner was going to put together. And I'm like, nah, it's, just, it's too similar. It's just, I don't, you know, uh, I mean, I was still excited about doing it, but I didn't really see the differences until I read the first script and went, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Okay. Took me a while to come to the table, but. Um, it's a little uh, more self aware and tongue in cheek while still oh, being yeah. gory and fun. Yeah, it's it, and 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 it's gory and fun. I mean, whereas uh, Walking Dead is kind of dour and sober and and believable, you know. But um, you know, it feels more authentic. But I, I don't know. I I think if there was uh, the apocalypse, I think the more real is going to be the people trying to survive on it on a daily basis and their interactions in that comedic way or in that crazy way, as opposed to making it like a soap opera, uh, you know, from the other show. Um, but, you know, uh, they have 20 billion viewers and I don't, but, uh, uh, so I guess I'm a little bit wrong there. But uh, I, I'm, I, I've said from the get-go on that series, uh, from my series, if I wasn't producing it, I'd be a fan of the show. I, I love what they do every week. And I have Agreed. so little to do with it, which is <laughs> why it's probably very successful. <laughs> All right. Um, I think at this point in the interview, we're going to roll on to the uh, 10 questions. Okay. Okay. These are uh, 10 questions that have never been asked of you in an interview before. And they very well may have, but okay. we're going to, we're going to sell it that way. Uh, some, of okay. our, some of our tricky, some of our weird, a lot of them are targeted directly to your industry. You want to take the first one? I'll take the odds. You take the even. Sounds good. Okay. Number one. Who is your favorite Ghostbuster? C. All right. Uh, Wait, see, I, I told you I would answer C. <laughs> I think C's Bill Murray, right? You yeah. know, here's the thing. Bill Murray, my first reaction to that was uh, Harold Ramis. But, um, yeah. uh, Go with your gut. You know, but but I but I always I'm drawn to Bill Murray. It's a weird one. And it's, then Dan it's, Aykroyd. It's, it's tough between them. I mean, I've, I've always been on the fence between uh, like for because they're uh, they're so dichotomous is the the Egon versus the um, yeah yeah so the Peter Venkman because they're just on totally different sides of the spectrum. Amazing actors, amazing comedic actors. So it's kind of uh, but, it's always but, been tough. Well, my gut was Harold, so I got to go there. But um, you know, he's my there. boy. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, we're going to number two. Uh, have you ever played the game Fuck Mary Kill? Where uh, we give you three names and you choose uh, which one you'd fuck, which one you'd marry, which one you'd kill. Uh, that's pretty much the extent of the rules. So even if you haven't, those are the rules. Uh, I'm going to give you three. <laughs> I'm going to give you three classic monsters. You tell me which one you'd fuck, which one you'd marry, and which one you'd kill. Got Godzilla, King Kong, or the ants from them. I feel like um, you know I'd, I'd have a much nicer relationship uh, with Godzilla. So because I, you know, well, but but King Kong it was much more. So, so we're gonna say okay. So I guess I'd marry King Kong just because, although, um, it, because I feel like King Kong has uh, a lot more uh, sympathy mm -hmm. uh, towards towards uh, the human uh, spirit. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess uh, 
kill the ants because ants just annoy the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess I'd fuck Godzilla. Um, you know, that'd be a wild ride. Yeah, I, I thought um, so. I, I, I figured it would also, uh, d d like, depends on what kind of uh, fucking you're into. Because I feel like with the ants, if you're into getting dominated, they've got, they can carry, like, 50 times their strength. They, they could, like, lift buildings and shit. So they would definitely be, like, a dominator for that kind of thing. So. Well, are you talking about ants, like, from them? Yeah. The Henry yeah. movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking the little... The oh, little no, no, the ants, yeah, the big ants from them. Uh, I, I had a hard time pick, trying to pick a third one that was as iconic as... Uh, the ants Godzilla from them would also give you group sex. That's what I figured is you could... But, but, I, guess, I thought you were going with. I'm like, I don't like, you know, things going in holes that I don't... <laughs> yeah, you couldn't that stop would, them, like, jumping all over. The, I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you with King Kong all the way there. Can, but, I, can I tell you it, what, uh, what, what, what's exciting about this is uh, just... I'm going to show off and drop names. Is um, when I was a lot younger in college, um, I used to really enjoy meeting mentors and people in the business because I just loved the business and uh, still do. Uh, but uh, I did a paper on film directors and uh, I reached out to Henry Hathaway to, to interview him. So I went to his house and and, and talked to him uh, for a good hour. I did that with um, um, Frank Capra and uh, Leonard Nimoy and Nicholas. I just, but I would always just try and meet as many people as I possibly could. So Henry Hathaway was a good memory. So thank you for that. Awesome. I will kill him though. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so there is that. All right. Um, let's move along to number three. Uh, Asylum Studios is also the name of a popular tattoo shop in Virginia. Mm. Do you have any tattoos? I do not. I um, I want to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Oh, there we go. So that's a, that's no. right. Yeah. Well, then that uh, kills my next question of asking if you could have a tattoo, <laughs> what it would be. But uh, I guess that's probably just that's not going to happen. So um, uh, number four, moving on. Uh, if you could keep any classic movie monster as a pet and train it to do your bidding, which monster would that be? Probably uh, Gremlins is just kind of cute. I have kids. Yeah. No, so I think Gremlins. As long as I don't feed them past midnight, we're good. Yeah, yeah. So get, actually, so Mogwise. Yeah, you got the Mogwise. Well, if they turn yeah. into a Gremlin, they're going to be your pet and you can train them. So as long as you can be like, <laughs> your bidding is don't hurt my kids and or hurt me, my, whatever else, though. My kids will probably feed them past midnight because they're kind of obnoxious. <laughs> you know they're going to do whatever you don't want but them to do. I, but I think we could, we could do a good job. There. All right, good. You can you could raise a Gremlin. We heard it here yeah. first. All right, uh, number five. Based on the imaginative matchups featured in your films, who would win in this classic movie matchup? Thomas the Tank Engine or Herbie the Love Bug in a battle to the death? Well, Herbie. Herbie's precocious. And I, I know I know Thomas the Tank is quiet and um, and very calm. And so you'd think that there's some psych, you know, he's psych psychotic in some way. Mm -hmm. It's like Hannibal Lecter style or sociopath. Yeah. I, 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 so I'd be afraid of him, but but I, I, I feel like the power and, and the passion that that uh, the love bug has i mean Crushing. i mean I, I think i think you're you're in trouble there yeah all right yeah um number six uh if you had a sandwich named after you what would be in it a lot of bologna ham <laughs> <laughs> um Did and, not then, and then really anything that would kill you okay. Okay. so like cyanide bologna sandwich is the david michael latt everybody Probably. yeah all right, um, so like mayonnaise and stuff, but yeah, you can go with cyanide. Just, just oh, 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 that kind of like that kind of kill, like a slow yeah. heart disease kind of thing. A cyanide, I don't, a cyanide I don't sell a lot of sandwiches with cyanide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you add your own typically. Yeah, yeah, you gotta bring your own, <laughs> bring your own cyanide. Yeah, I know. Like I always ask for it for a little packet on the side, and they never, they never get it right. 
All right. Um, with the popularity of Sharknado and your many other shark movies related uh, to your studio, uh, you've also made comedies, uh, stoner comedies, sexed up, raunchy comedies. Now, do you think there's any point in the future where we may see a crossover between the two? Perhaps a, a stoner shark goes to college kind of film? Yeah. <laughs> the second the buyers want it. Uh, and uh, we're making one Tuesday. <laughs> oh, it's in the works. Yeah. Our, so, so we'll, it's already done. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll add ourselves to the IMDb credits eventually anyway. Sorry. Co-writers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all. Um, all right. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? The ability to make good movies. Huh. I think uh, you're already doing that. Yeah. Oh, there, there, there's, uh, there's some good ones in there. Yeah. Yeah, geez. The ability not to forget things. Oh, my God. Memory? Dementia. Super, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have a, yeah. Reverse powers. dementia. That's that's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that, because I assumed, like, uh, I mean, you've got your, you're all over the place, it seems. You're obviously, you don't care so much about free time, because you apparently are pretty busy all the time. So I assumed immediately organized, uh, uh, good memory, everything on the shelf, but uh, apparently maybe not, so... Not as good as I'd like. Okay. So Always. that's the superpower. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, number nine. Yeah. Films with animals usually have a disclaimer at the end saying no animals are harmed during the filming of this movie. How many actors have been harmed in the making of your movies? And does one incident stand out as either being particularly funny or memorable? Because injury can be funny. <laughs> I am so not a fan of America's uh, Funniest Home Video <laughs> simply because I don't like people getting punched in the balls when at other people's expense. Yeah. That said... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we, you know, with all the movies we've made, we've been pretty lucky. We've had a couple um, uh, instances where, like uh, last year, one of our grip trucks went on a small um, uh, bridge uh, to get from point A to point B, and the whole bridge collapsed. Um, so it was scary. That's memorable. <laughs> That's yeah. Memorable. <laughs> uh, no one got necessarily uh, hurt. I mean, we, we've also shot all over the world, so there's always cases of, well, where's so and so? It's like, oh, they're in the hospital because of food poisoning. Um, uh, so there's, you know, that, which I'm sure is not funny for them. No. Um, but for the most part, you know, we do, for some strange reason, take safety seriously. So it, uh, <laughs> and I keep telling people, it's just a movie. You know, at the end of the day, it's just a movie. So uh, we'll get what we need to get, but don't don't, don't hurt yourself in the process. Uh, oh, I'll say, wait, wait. You, okay, so I was stalling enough for this one stupid story that did not end up in, with injury, but it is a funny story, which is we were doing a car movie, a, like a Fast and Furious film, uh, about oh, eight years ago. And um, the director wanted to do this stunt. The stunt, the, the stunt driver was there, but the stunt coordinator was offset for, for whatever reason. And uh, and I hear the story afterwards, which I'm not happy about. Which is, uh, he the director convinced the stunt driver to go up on a ramp and flip over. Okay, uh, so the car flips over and it lands on its you know its head. You know, as it, as it slides over. Uh, the stunt coordinator basically, like seconds before they were to do that shot, actually showed up the set. It's like, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? And they explained to him, and they're like, don't do it. And the reason don't do it is because there's no row bar, row bar, and a roll bar, and and it's a convertible. So what their plan was was that he was when he flipped was the driver was going to duck under the steering wheel as the as the car collapsed on the ground. I. I Again, didn't happen. Whoa. Thankfully, the coordinator came to set at that particular moment, and I found out later. 
Wow. Th- this is one of those parallel universe wishes where you wish, you're glad that it didn't happen, so you didn't have to see what happened, but you almost kind of wish you could know what would have happened to see, was it, would they have pulled it off at the same time? That's a, that's a that's risky a, stunt. And that's a very <laughs> driven stunt, stunt person. It, it's a very risky stunt. We had another stunt, um, a film I directed, last film I directed in 2009, uh, um, Megafault. And um, we have a stunt where they're driving this Big Mac truck. Uh, it's a gas truck, so it's a gasoline tanker. Um, and they're going down this kind of gauntlet of you know all these power lines falling in front of them, and then you know once once a transformer falls down, it blows up. And so we had the guys that uh, did a, uh, just finished a Michael Bay show. Uh, they put like 26 gallons of, of gasoline together, and they they did they were lighting this thing. And if you ever seen this movie, this you know, so the tanker truck comes in, and at, at a certain moment they ignite the explosion. This thing goes 100 feet up in the air. It is huge. And they had asked me ahead of time, do you want to go in the cab of the truck? And I'm like, no, you know what? I just want to be outside. I want to see it. And we have like eight cameras rolling and it's a big, it's a big stunt. And I had other friends that, well, I'm going in there. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's like, okay, great. It, sure, it was a lot of fun. So they do the stunt. They, the car, it blows up in front of the, the truck. The truck plows through the explosion and we go on. And then I find out from the stunt coordinator afterwards, uh, he goes, wow, that was close. So what happened? He goes, well, if they didn't release the explosion, at the exact time that they were supposed to, if they were off by one second, we would have run over the explosion and it would have blown up the tanker. Oh, huh. wow. wow. And and I'm like, you're nuts. Thank God <laughs> for professionals, I guess. This, but This is a movie. Why would you do that? And I ended up getting very mad at him. But, um, uh, but, and then I had friends in the car. It was just, but yeah. to know that they were willing to risk that and to do that, it's a little crazy, like you said. It's, it's just a movie. It's for somebody's entertainment. Said that they're gonna watch for a couple hours and then to, to kind of forget about their day, and then they're gonna move on. And it's like, no one needs to yeah. die. Yeah, <laughs> no one needs to die. Sometimes they need to die, but not in this particular. Yeah, case. not not in this particular yeah. case. Um, well, we're gonna move uh, right on to the last question, number ten. Uh, this one is actually a. Uh, uh, something to deal with a little bit with the political culture here. Stephen King uh, recently tweeted a summary of this year's election season as House of Cards meets Sharknado, uh, which almost sounds like it could be a title of one of your movies. Uh, yes. If you were to create a versus movie mashup based on this election cycle yourself, what would it be? Oh, I'm mad at this. I would be horrible at um, uh, at midnight. I look at those. I watch my favorite show, and I got. To, I'm like, they are so good at ad libbing. Yep, yep. Um, and I've had friends in there too. I'm like, I don't get it. I um, love that so, show. I watch it all the time. I, I feel the same way. I'm like, oh, they're so sharp. I would have been. They, they're so on it. Like and, left uh, in the dust. I would have thought about something like a few like three questions later. Be like, can I answer the last one? <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, it's uh, it's. It's it's like a it's like a it's like a mega clown versus you know uh, giant loudmouths. I mean that's really. <laughs> <laughs> I like mega clown. I'm mega assuming clown that has to happen. Yeah, mega clown has to happen. Points. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, points, David. There we go. Uh, yeah, perfect. I mean, honestly, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to follow House of Cards meets Sharknado, but that's Stephen King. So uh, I was I, I saw that tweet and I was like so thrilled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in this universe. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, just, it's weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, we were uh, informed of that uh, just a couple hours before the show by our friend uh, uh, Nick, who uh, brought it to our attention. So I was really happy to like toss a different question aside and pop that one in because I wanted to, I wanted to see if you were aware of it because uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, honestly, House of Cards meets Sharknado, 
It sounds awesome. So. And yeah. since, since your name dropping, I just want to give a quick shout out mid-interview here uh, to Christopher Ball. He's our PR guy, and he uh, arranged this entire interview. Uh, just a big shout out to him. Hey. Thank you. And by mid, you mean uh, the end of the interview, because that, yes. that was Man. the 10th uh, oh, question. <laughs> um, that was the 10th question. Uh, we really appreciate, once again, you uh, sitting down and chatting with us. Uh, we implore everybody, once again, to go to uh, IMDb. Don't believe a damn thing you read, except for uh, all the titles that you're attached to. People should go out and watch it. Uh, a lot of them you can get on Netflix. I actually pretty much created just about an entire profile just to put your movies in so mostly so it wouldn't skew my other uh, uh <laughs> the other like uh, netflix is gonna be like man this guy really likes these fucking movies and then it's gonna trickle into all my other stuff like yeah. you like cerebral sci-fi mockbuster films it's hard to find 12 years of slave when you have to wade through 30 shark films yeah <laughs> story of my life <laughs> right on all right well thank you very much for being on and this episode will be on uh one day from this recording so uh hopefully everyone who's listening loves this and checks out your films great thank you so much it was a great interview had a lot of fun (laughs) thank you very much thanks again for david michael latt being on the show we really appreciated you joining us and i gotta say that was a pretty good interview i think we nailed it yeah well i think he nailed it more than anything he uh, has he's very interesting um has a lot of he does a lot of fun things and kind of wish i could just make cool movies like that Um, me too we definitely got in the wrong business yeah well remember we uh we were a part of trying to make a movie similar we have a love for these kind of like b movies we tried making a b movie a few uh, years ago yeah, yeah. well we, i mean we, we failed it's hard well not, not only like that but i'm thinking i'm thinking way back to high school days and actually uh, scissors from hell scissors from hell which chris emerson and i actually wrote even prior to that in elementary school mm-hmm. so we i've always had the like yearning to make like these b horror b sci-fi kind of movies someday anyway someday so it'll happen maybe like independently wealthy someday when the podcast biz starts to take off when he was talking about the uh you know, the financial aspect of making movies and stuff. Um, granted, that takes like a whole team of things, but I kind of, it did make me think about the, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, podcasts are fun to make and you have a great time doing them, but wouldn't it be great if you could do them for a living? But obviously that's uh, not very, uh, some people do it. Some, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't make any money. Um, movies should make more money. Now, what makes the most money is American politics. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of money. I mean, what are the uh, candidates are up past probably what, 30, 40 million by now or whatever. Oh, easily. And for this week's discussion Democrats, piece... Democrats, I don't even know what Republicans are up to. Yeah. For this week's discussion piece, we're going to be delving into the world of politics. Um, normally, we don't touch this with a 10-foot pole or Jeremiah's dick. Yeah. But... Uh, well, we... One and the same! Oh! I can't have sex with any women because of the uh, gross size of my penis. <laughs> Everybody who wants a 10-foot dick, I'm just like, why do you... I'm surprised that hasn't been something that? thrown out on the, on like the Republican side this year. Like, literally somebody going, my dick's big. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, <laughs> my dick is so big. You're gonna be sick of big dicks by the time I'm done fucking you with my big dick, Donald Trump. That's which one I'm doing. <laughs> also, uh, Bernie Sanders here. Uh, I also have a large penis, but I would not brag about it because the real point is the fact that 99.9% of Americans do not have a penis with nearly my girth. So I can't expect everybody to live to that uh, level that I do. And I want to care for the regular American people, the middle-class people with middle-class penises. Middle-class penises are shrinking by the day, and we need to fix that. Oh, I love this. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm not even going to... We can describe all the stories, <laughs> and I'm just going to watch you do this. Yeah, just uh, that's, that's, that's the good time. That's uh, Bernie Sanders on his uh, penis politics, ladies and gentlemen. Now, boy Bernie. we've definitely done political stories before in the past, but we've never done an entire discussion just on politics like this because nothing in modern politics has happened like this. 
Um, watching the Republican side of the debates and just their rhetoric between each other off the uh, the stage in normal life on the internet, on TV, etc., has been amazing. It is a shit show on a level that we've never seen before. I literally yesterday was talking in a pub to a diehard Republican, voted Republican every time in every election. He will not vote for anyone this year on their side and is trying to figure out which between Hillary and Bernie he wants to vote for. Right. He <clears throat> said he just doesn't get it. He's like, none of these people are electable. They're most mostly crazy. Well, it's mostly. a lot of... I think it's a lot of like old school. It actually, it's one of the issues even with um, Hillary on the on the that side. It's, and the reason that Trump and Sanders tend to be like front runners uh, in most polls is because uh, though they're, they're very outside of the like the old school politics. So it's like, I think people are just kind of sick of We're done with of, old of, school. Yeah. Politics. So people are like, okay, we've we've seen the institutional politics. It's been time and time again. But not only the, like not a hundred years, but like fifty years of failure. It, well, it's just been like it's just been more and more obnoxious, especially since the uh, really the early two thousands. Um, there, there has been more. The rhetoric has been dialed up. A lot of people kind of forget that even in the nineties, uh, a lot of people listening may have been actually born in the nineties, let alone uh, uh, been able to actually vote in the nineties, like uh, we could do. And uh, back in those days, like you could, I could actually see somebody being like, "Well, you know, I'm kind of centrist, so I could think about voting for a Republican uh, or a Democrat." Whereas now, it seems like I can't. I, I actually don't understand. Now that I don't understand centrists, I feel more people should be that way. Uh, it's just I don't understand people who um, – I sort of can, but there are people out there who just like, I don't know if I want to vote for Trump or Sanders. And really what they're saying is they don't know which outside-of-the-box candidate uh, – they, they don't necessarily know anything. If they knew anything about their individual platforms, they would probably have a pretty clear opinion because they're completely – Polarized. Di- yeah, they're almost, polarized. Almost. Yeah. Um, but their personalities, though, are so similar that people are really like they're different and they're outside of the mainstream, like old school politics. The rest of the Republican candidates and uh, and Hillary, I would say, too, are very, very much classic and classical uh, uh, politics, which people are kind of sick of. Yeah, Hillary is definitely a, a clearly a run of the mill Republican. I mean, straight down the middle party lines. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's actually she, she is actually more representative probably of uh, Republican of the you know 80s 90s uh, i've actually closer. been saying that for a while yeah. she's she's more of a, a true true republican candidate say reagan age yeah reagan well era. yeah yeah and it's the kind of republican actually she doesn't that hold I... a lot of the democratic ideals to her side of the party um but you know what honestly yeah. i don't want to get too into politics in that right, sense right, yeah. I, you a lot of our listeners already know our politics we're both bernie supporters uh we live in the state of vermont this is uh the number one podcast well, I, I, in the state of vermont and i'd be a bernie we even supporter had bernie regardless Sanders on our show once before that's right it was, uh, he, he was very nice he uh, gave us some insight it was before he was peaking in the polls um It'd be tough to get him on now, probably. But, uh, but honestly, regardless of uh, Vermont or not, I would be a Bernie supporter just because of his, his politics. So we're, we're we're both uh, liberal minded in the center, progressive thinkers. And, and so let's move like, on to the like other people, side yeah. of the aisle. Let's, let's talk about the crazies. Let's look at the crazies. Let's look at the Republicans that are trying to run for president. Um, yeah. Let's start with Trump. Not saying all Republicans are crazy. I've got Republican friends. Oh, absolutely friends. not. I the, respect this is, your politics. If you're a listener, I don't yeah. respect weird rhetoric like the weird establishment that is right now exactly. representing you you should probably not be that proud of yeah like for instance um yesterday and this amazed me to no end um trump had a tweet which has since been taken down uh there's screen caps of it on the internet though if you're looking where he bragged about noticing that jeb bush had let his domain name uh slip like hadn't paid it up and yep. it was available so we grabbed jebbush.com and did a redirect to donaldjtrump.com I, I uh, this this redirect is real 
Yeah. You can click on it and it does exactly what he says, but the tweet was taken down. And after that left, I was like, wait, is something fishy here? And I dug a little bit more and found out that he, in fact, didn't buy his site and redirect it. He simply just bought JebBush.com and made it go to Trump and right. then bragged about stealing it. Right. Well, I mean, from, from what I understand, it would be – so did did – Jeb actually allow the domain name to lapse? Is that what happened? We don't think he ever bought it from what we can tell. Oh, okay. Or if he allowed it to lapse, it was no biggie because he's been running this entire time gaining donations and running a, a campaign platform off of Jeb2016.com. Oh, okay. So so he may have not have ever uh, bought it and for some reason, or maybe whoever did buy it let it lapse, but he's never been, he hasn't been using that actively. Because yeah, if he was right. smart going into a campaign, you would buy almost every combination of every set of words that could be Jeb related. Well, it was like when uh, Mayor, Mayor Bloomberg went out of his way to buy it when they did the dot nyc uh top level domain yeah. uh, extensions they uh they went out of their way to buy as many as they could and uh but then of course i believe it was when john oliver john was oliver, on the yeah. uh was it when he was actually doing he it, offered up all the available ones for people yeah. to go buy and yeah. do as they will and, and they bought a few of them like uh uh like tinybloomberg.com yeah. or tiny, tiny bloomberg .com yeah. or something like that with it's just a picture of him sleeping in a matched stick box <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I love um, the internet. That, yeah, but that, but that that really actually that brings up a good point. Uh, yeah. Speaking of weird websites, um, we have a few here that we found when searching because that was amazing. when We found out that uh, Trump was actually lampooning Jeb Bush's inability well, a lot to of hold people, onto his own websites. And a lot of people, I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, you do want to buy that because you assume people are going to try jebbush.com.org. Yeah. The the basic ones where they don't know what your what your website yeah. is, you would buy that and have it redirect to Jeb Jeb Bosch. I keep saying that Jeb. 2016 or yeah. whatever. So you would buy all of yours and have them redirect. Yeah, like as if you opposed were Ted to Ted Cruz. Yep. You'd probably want to buy Ted Cruz's the pussy.com. I think so because you assume somebody's going to fucking take that one. And someone did. If you go to Ted Cruz is a pussy.com, there's a nice banner saying the title of the website. Uh, a picture of Ted Cruz on the left looking like a gerbil just sneezed in his ass. <laughs> and uh, that's a standard fare. It's that's kind of the way he looks. He always has that like the gerbil up my butt sneeze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's got like the, the little yeah. and uh, Cruz look. It's a picture of Cruz with an equal signs next to it, and on the right is a rotating image gallery of cats dressed as Mounties and or holding Canadian flags. Okay. Okay. You can scroll down, and then it says, Vote Trump, Make America Great Again. And you have a picture of Trump dressed as a uh, revolutionary-era uh, uh, constitutional founder with an eagle on his arm, an American flag in the background, and a Gatlin gun in his hand as he stands on the sparking, ruined corpse of a giant mech suit. Oh, fucking great. Wait, so... Uh is he like like one-handed Gatlin gun? I don't yeah, know if people know how it. Gatlin guns work. Gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that's how that's how amazing a leader he would be. He'd be able to one-hand a fucking Gatlin gun and, and take us what? Uh, we're gonna fight Britain again or something? Yeah, and then below is a, a dictionary thing about a pusillanimous, okay. sh showing a lack of courage or determination. Just puss, faint-hearted, faint-hearted. A must because the must is sounds yeah, like an I, animal. I, yeah, and then there's one video from Trump at a rally in New Hampshire. Uh, the site's awesome. It's simple. Uh, that's all it takes. Uh, you have an even simpler website that's even more amazing. Uh, yeah, this one is actually just uh, trumpdonald.org. And uh, the reason it's called that is because you trump it. Trump. So trumpdonald.org. And actually, the I can't remember what the redirect was. It's not like asshole.com, but something like that redirects to this site, which is oh. actually how I found it. Um, that that I was looking up assholes.com and accidentally left the S off. Uh, <laughs> whatever it is. I like them plural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing sadder than a lone asshole. Yeah, man. Nothing, I don't want that. 
ugly single asshole. <laughs> Give me those two, three assholes. Even if they're Siamese assholes, I'll take it. And uh, the I got to this site Siamese and really assholes. Yeah, one person with two assholes, <laughs> like an infinity symbol. Yeah, <laughs> but gross. But gross. Wasn't that, uh, that was one of the title original of episode, yeah. original titles we had from that one might of be our earlier days? Two. Yeah, it's like, it's the, like infinity the infinity symbol, symbol like but gross. gross. Um, callback to but episode yeah, two. To uh, don't go listen to that one, anybody. <laughs> oh yeah, we were yeah. terrible. We back were horrible. If you think this is bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we were like talking to the tin cans and uh, whatnot. So uh, yeah, TrumpDonald.org. It's very simple. You move your mouse around, you click it, and a trumpet blasts into his face. And every four or five clicks, it blows some confetti. Into I his love face. it. I love and, the animation. And, and the Trump counter goes up. Yeah, the animation is like his hair, his great hair piece or whatever it is, blows. Uh, it, it's actually well done because the eyes follow the trump trumpet around. And he's kind of like, and then he gives a little frown. You know what? Don't um, don't trust Jeremiah. I don't. Yeah. Go to the website, to the website yourself website. and try click. it. Click. It's already had like they they actually and they tell you how many times it's been clicked. It's been like clicked like sixty five million times or something. Um. Uh. So yeah, bring that up. Um. That was a that was an interesting site. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Now moving from the realm of websites to the real world to the actual tangible uh, aspects of these political candidates uh, going all over Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, yeah. and actually being in person where you can meet and greet and hear them, you know, spout their whatever decides to come out of their mouth publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Cruz went all over New Hampshire recently, and that's our neighboring state. We probably could have had an opportunity to go over and maybe shove a mic in his face if we had wanted right. to. Um, a couple guys actually did take the opportunity for him being in public to do just that. But they didn't shove a mic in his face. Um, well, here, let me start with this. Here's a quote from one of the men as he approached Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, look in the mirror and let the evil spirit leave. Leave your power-hungry demonic soul. This man yelled at Ted Cruz while holding a crucifix in his right hand and a mirror in his left that he pointed at Ted Cruz's face. Uh, these protesters wow. were seeking to exercise the demons within Ted Cruz at a uh, stop in New Hampshire on, what was it, two Mondays ago now. So was it, uh, they, they, what demons? Is there a specific demon? Um, I don't know. They continue to say, uh, look at yourself in the mirror. He's as his Chris friend. Friend. It yeah. was a friend. There were two guys, by the way. Yeah. I, I shouldn't bury the lead on this. Two men tried to exercise demons from one Ted Cruz. Are they? That should have been enough. But should it? But usually, you have one to hold the Cruz down, and the other one to to uh, take the demon. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Ted Cruz is all your mother sucks cock in hell and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And, uh, vomiting pea soup, and he's just like, that's just the Tuesday for old Cruz Day. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Well, being a political campaign year and being a political candidate. Super uh, these two, these two super cruise day. I can't wait to start seeing that <laughs> meme everywhere on the internet soon. Um, I love it. Um, so these two men were escorted out immediately by Secret Service or whatever kind of weird cronyistic uh, detail that Cruz keeps around. Himself. Yeah, I think they're just Pro- Canadian probably, Mountie uh, probably gangsters. Sa- probably Canadian Mountie Satanists. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to have to ask you to leave, okay? Um, as the two men were escorted out, Cruz then took this opportunity to take a shot at liberals uh, because, you know, why not? Of course. He actually accused the Bernie Sanders campaign of placing them in the crowd to uh, derail him. Yeah, that, that no, I was talking to Bernie the other day, and he was like, I can't wait to put these guys in there and have them exercise the demons. Yeah, Cruz is, uh, by the way, a comedian. I did not realize this. He uh, he decided to Ted throw Cruz. a joke out. Yeah, Ted Cruz. Okay. He threw a joke out after making that stab at Bernie by saying, you know, the, the very odd thing, usually lefties... Don't believe in God. That's how I'm choosing him to say it. That's how I believe he yeah. delivered it. Yeah. You know, you like, I, hope, I hope he did a Seinfeld routine. Yeah. You, know, you know the weird thing about lefties? They don't believe in God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, do that one again. Do that one again. You know, the odd thing about lefties, 
They don't believe in God. Sweet. I'm going to hopefully put some bass behind that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't say that. There's plenty of lefties that believe God too. Uh, also, it just believes that if somebody's not a crew supporter, it just immediately means they're not a, a, a Republican or something. I don't know. But No, um, but he does bring a point that if you're trying to exercise demons out of someone, there's a good chance you're probably not a Democrat. That, yeah, no, that's what I would assume. Statistically. Yeah, because you you have, like, really probably conservative religion uh, opinions that you believe demons could inhabit a human being. Correct. And that's kind of, that's Old Testament crazy fucking religion stuff there. No. Um, I mean, that's, like, true belief in uh, exorcisms and stuff, which is generally, again, there might be probably some, you know, Dems in general that believe in that. But I feel like the people who are that politically driven and that religiously driven are probably just more of a different a supporter of a different candidate on the Republican side. I would agree. Uh, um, oh, I, I came up with an idea for a website, if it's not already taken. Um, is And maybe the, the website is, but we could figure out a, a variation of it. It's called cruisesmissile.com. And it's a picture of penises with uh, Ted Cruz's face. Uh, superimposed on the dicks. It's dick pics with su- uh, with his ugly fucking For face. For real? No, I, that's what we should make. Oh, my God. I missed that one word that we should make. Like, <laughs> that, that one part. I, I, I came like up the, with a... Oh, my God. My, my heart grew nine times bigger. <laughs> so doesn't, doesn't that I tell like, you that it should exist? That maybe before this even goes up, I should see if cruisesmissile.com is... You know, you're going to have to cut and paste so many dicks and cruise faces. You you may have mental issues by the end of the week. Yeah, that's true. You might be, like, entirely mental by Friday. You're, like, just dicks and cruises, dicks and cruises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, um, the hecklers uh, were interviewed, by the way. Um, the Dallas Morning News spoke to them after they were uh, removed from the event. Uh, here's a quote from one of the hecklers when they spoke to the Dallas Morning News. He's very hard to be in the same room with, he being Cruz. We had to exercise some sort of disgusting evil spirit. There's a reason that the body is so haggard and disgusting. And the face. It's also weathered and gross and hard to look at. Does look, yeah. Speaking of Cruz, yeah. Yeah, a little bit like a demon, I'd say. A little demonic. Well, it's either that or pedophile. I can't really tell which way I think Cruz goes. I think most demons would be pedophiles, right? Most demons are probably pretty offended by you right now. We just lost an entire demographic. Like the the demon like demographic? Don't fuck kids. Like, that's asshole. true. That's actually like a bad thing to say, yeah. Just because you're in hell doesn't mean you're in hell for doing something like that. Because hell's, you know, made up of cool rock stars and things like that. But but it, but that's a creepy demon, man. That's that definitely a pedophile demon. Not all demons are pedophiles, but he's definitely a pedophile demon. Okay, so you're here first, folks. Pedophile, demon, uh, Ted Cruz. So if you're into like the weirder aspect of the news, like we normally deliver on this show, I mean, like, we definitely delved into it with exorcisms at a Ted Cruz rally. Yeah, right. That, that yeah. definitely hits into the that happens. Weirdness. That happens. And since we're talking about politics and everything, um, here's a story for you. Blind mystic who predicted 9/11 attacks said 2016 is going to be horrible. Hmm. I mean, first of all, I trust blind mystics. I don't know if you do. Personally, I'm on board. Um, This is Baba Vanga. He is a blind mystic from Bulgaria. He's said to be basically the modern day version of Nostradamus with 85 predictions, uh, 85% prediction success rate. Um, She died in 1996, but she claimed to have foreseen the 9-11 attack saying that the American brethren will fall after being attacked by steel birds. Oh, huh. What's more, she warned about the 2004 tsunami, claiming that there would be a huge wave that would hit a big coast covering people and towns and causing everything to disappear underwater. What's more unsettling, though, is that her predictions for 2016, the very year we're in right now, (sighs) might actually be coming true. 
uh, she's predicted that the 44th president of the United States would be African-American and that he would be the last U.S. president, in quotes. It's the last U.S. president, period? Last U.S. president, in quotes. Um, she also predicted uh, Muslim extremists, and this might reference ISIS for all we know, would invade Europe, meaning possibly this has something to do with the refugee crisis going on where Syrian refugees are being funneled into Europe by the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Um, and that once there, they would use chemical warfare to make the continent cease to exist by year's end this year, 2016. Okay. All right. So we're, we're doomed. That's fine. Yep. Um, and uh, this is a related uh, prediction of hers is that by 2043, these uh, invaders who would uh, destroy Europe would then establish a caliphate with Rome at the center on 2043. So we have an 85% prediction success rate. I think by hearing some of her old predictions, I see how some are so easy. A big coast being covered by a huge wave. A tsunami is probably going to happen somewhere sometime. Right. That's just, not a hard make an assumption break. there. You it might happens. as well say the west coast of America will feel an earthquake in the next 10 years. Right. It's going to happen. Well, yeah. Like a, like a large one even. Yeah. I, I do appreciate the fact that she did say the 44th president would be Amer- African-American. Uh, that American brethren would fall after being attacked by steel birds. There's some intriguing things. I like the thought of, like, if you actually read the entirety of what uh, she wrote, if she was like, yeah, the 40th, 41st, 42nd, 43rd, 44th, maybe the 45th, I don't know, one of those is going to be black. Like, and that was the whole thing. <laughs> and she ends with, I'm blind, by the way, yeah. so I'm not good with numbers or race. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> What's a black person? Yeah. <laughs> I thought everyone looked the same. I'm blind. She's just she's just as African American, all mixed up. She doesn't know what's happening. It's like that old Dave Chappelle skit where they have the KKK meeting and Dave Chappelle's there as a black guy going, "Screw them!" Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, the black white supremacist. Yeah, yeah it's a classic. He was blind and didn't know. And and yeah, and finally divorced his wife because she was a lover. Yeah, yeah. That was classic Chappelle, baby. But I do like the concept that there could be a blind person out there who's like, "Wait, they're black." People? What do you What do you mean? Aren't there just people? Wasn't uh, I didn't know they were different colored. Are there? Wait, wait. Are there green? Wasn't there rich, <laughs> <laughs> green? Like, what, how far First does this all, color what thing is, go? What is green? What is a color? <laughs> yeah. What is green? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a context for that. I don't give a shit. Uh, that'd be awesome. I can't she's sitting green. in her hut. She's blind. She has her beads and stuff in her bones, and she's like the forty fourth president of America <laughs> will be black, and the person next door is like. Yeah, really? What's black? Yeah. Just explain it to me. Explain it. Yeah. Oh, it's what you see it's, every day? Yeah, it's, <laughs> she's like, everything's black to you. <laughs> You're just seeing, like, darkness nonstop. Yeah. Of course it is. Uh, uh, so um, you take that with uh, however you want, but, you know, say at the end of this year, we end up seeing uh, the destruction of Europe and uh, no more presidents in the United States. She's right once again. But if these things don't come to fruition, look to see her 85% prediction success rate drop. So when you're in Las Vegas placing your bets, keep those two things in mind. Well, here's the thing is if you make a lot of predictions and maybe she's made hundreds of thousands, getting one wrong doesn't actually drop your percentage by that much. Probably not even, well, definitely you not gotta even make a lot. Yeah, you gotta yeah. make a lot. But it means she's gotten a lot right if she makes a lot so that does actually drive up also the credibility to a degree but it also means she out of you know a hundred thousand she's gotten fifteen thousand wrong well yeah you're like well maybe i can guess 85 percent of the time too uh and again maybe you could also uh just hedge your bets some people can uh are 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 good at just uh making assumptions based on like all right where's the world going blah 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 probably you know this this is gonna be right um yeah she she may have you know made very startling 15 percent 
wrong predictions that would completely make the 85 percent not look good too like like uh i predict in the year 2010 a purple man will eat a goose (laughs) and the results will destroy belgium yeah (laughs) well that was wrong but you know there's no purple man (laughs) what's purple yeah yeah what's purple yeah all right uh black president then (laughs) oh okay (laughs) black you can understand yeah. Uh, yeah. So take that one with a grain of salt, if you yeah. will. Um, now, uh, moving out of the realm of... As long as I can see a Sharknado 4 before the end of the world. I agree entirely. Uh, moving out of the realm of politics, we have one uh, follow-up to a story from two weeks ago. Uh, when things happen, we like to get back into them to make sure that we keep our listeners uh, up on up. We had a huge response on the Sausage Castle piece we did three weeks ago. Yeah, that was a, one of people our higher listening pieces, it. and people liked it, and uh, our, our friends from... The Florida area really were happy. We were, you know, finally someone was paying attention to Florida and telling the positive stories about Florida. Sausage Castle shut down. No, I never got to go. I wanted to go. And, like, uh, the women were actually uh, attractive and they would apparently just uh, blow fat guys. Do anything. They would do anything, Jer. Jerry, I don't think you understand what anything means until you listen to the episode. If you, this is your first of our show to listen to ever, go back and listen, listen to, to the Sausage, Sausage Cast. Cast. Just find they, out what you're missing, what you're not going to have. If, to me, would, that world has already ended, actually. You told me this that. This might be part I of it. I don't give, like, that was, that was one of her this predictions. Could, this, that was, she was almost right. She's like, the Gherkin a Cast. castle yeah. made of bratwurst, Will. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know, did we give it to her? She was actually too specific. But bratwurst is sort of a sausage. A German so. castle of meat in America will fight. Will find its will way crumble. Into, will fall into the swamplands it was built upon. Yes. And and we're like, yeah, we'll give you that one. That sausage castle doesn't exist anymore. Dragons will dis- dragons will devour a castle made of German meat in America's dick. <laughs> yeah. And 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 from it a sludge that creates a lake of herpes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> herpes lake. I just figure there's probably herpes lake around that from all those uh folks that I'm guessing everybody at Sausage Castle also had sausage herpes and they went to the, in the sausage lake and gave the sausage lake sausage herpes and now it's a herpes lake cuz I know how uh biology works and that's probably how you get herpes. Probably. I, um, I used to see those. I, I'm, uh, I'm okay with it as a theory. The the posters at school, you don't remember walking into the bathroom and be like, you can't get herpes from sitting on the toilet, but you can if you take a dump in old herpes lake there. <laughs> herpes lake, don't go there, kids. <laughs> First of all, you're like nine. You shouldn't be going to anything called herpes anything or lakes. Have a chaperone. Oh, lakes. <laughs> All right, so the Sausage Castle was turned down due to $1 million in fines racked up over code violations that the county imposed upon them. What kind of codes were they supposed to... Um, you know, by. the article itself that I went through doesn't not, actually get into it, but what has happened... cleaning herpes like enough? Probably. But what has happened is the county has begun foreclosure processes on the house and plan on bulldozing and selling the property. Oh! Um, the property, when sold, will cover about one quarter of the entirety of the fees that the that Mike Busey, owner of this Is there house, like a, a, a save, uh, save the Sausage Castle campaign out there? I would be surprised if there was, but... I think at this point they need to let this one go. This is like the SOS 17th. Save our sausage. Well, this is like castle. the 17th sausage castle. Yeah. So all you need to do is go make another. That's, that's true. You just you just relocate. But and then maybe there's a whole thing like, yeah, fuck it, fines, well, and then move. Let's do the math real quick. $1 million in fines. Bulldozing and selling the property will cover one quarter of that. So he still owes three quarters of a million dollars in fines, which means he could also be possibly facing some jail time. But if they're just fines... That means it's local, which means if it's kind of like a, wouldn't it be kind of like a parking ticket where he might have a, like a warrant in Florida, but he could just bounce out to a different state and be like fucking fine for a while. Just don't go back to Florida. Yeah, maybe. Right? So maybe we could get a petition to get Sausage Castle up in Vermont. 
Ooh. Northeast Sasha's Castle. Uh, any yeah, those SC? girls aren't going to be nearly as skimpily dressed, though, in Vermont. Uh, we've had a very warm winter. Except for that night on Saturday where you and I tried to start my car at 2 in the morning and it was negative 18. That's, well, negative 37 with the wind chill, if yes. you recall that. Yes, one day where maybe they aren't, will they'll wear jackets on the, that day. But they, they that we could have just as easily done a gig at the Sausage Castle. Wouldn't that be fucking I grand? would set that up as my live podcast headquarters. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be so great. Just have a new sausage on, Sausage of the Week. Yep. Okay. Um, real quick before we leave this story, um, one thing that kind of struck me was in this story, they have a quote from uh, one of the people on what I'm guessing is like the select board for the town. Uh, it doesn't actually go into what his title is, but it says, um, the interviewer says, so this guy's sex parties are costing taxpayers money in the county. And the response was, yes, every time he has one. It's a weird way to look at the fact that you're finding him and then kicking him out of his house his parties weren't costing the county money. The county's simply not going to be able to recoup the amount of fines levied against him by people looking to levy fines against yeah, there was him no, to get him to leave. There's no cost associated no, he, with what they did. He it's wasn't not like running up water bills he wasn't paying or running up electric bills yeah, he wasn't paying. Yeah, or like paying. graffiti that they had to be covered or like fucking something up that they had to went be fixed. In and found No taxpayer dollars no, here. They no. went in and found code violations that they wanted to find to rack up a bill to force him and, out. And honestly, he wasn't costing anyone money. And if they never recoup this money... No one's hurt by this. And if there, no if, one, if except low, Mike Busey. If, if, if the, yeah, which is God, too bad. I'm defending Mike Busey. I, uh, first of all, I, I I mean, I'm defending I, I anyone Mike who's Busey. being railroaded. He's uh, being railroaded. I was a Mike Busey fan from when we ran that first episode. I, I thought it was just going to lampoon it, but I actually really like, I was like, yeah, man, the Sausage Castle is pretty well, sweet Well, he was pro-gay, pro-weird, pro-trans, pro-everything. Pro, like, pro, 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 pro if you feel like an outsider, you can come here and hang out. Like, uh, And I guess apparently that's just not okay for, uh, maybe, maybe also. It's that weird hate-love relationship we have with like the Juggalos. Like, I like that I, it's hate-love, not love-hate, because it definitely is hate-love, where you assume a hate, oh, yeah. and then you're like, like even, well, even kind of Insane clown posse, like I got a million reasons to fucking hate them and fucking yep. despise everything that they stand and, and, for. And juggalos, you think like the juggalo culture as a whole, but we kind of have a little bit of a love for because for when you look into do. things, you see that there's two sides to every coin, and the other side sometimes is the simple fact that some people who don't have love and acceptance, and maybe you're going to get sidelined, derailed in life, and sent down weird paths. They're going to go down a weird path, but it's going to be one shared with a bunch of people who know and respect what they're going through. And, and everyone it's generally a community system. that is is sticking to themselves, uh, and they're they're helping each other out. They're not doing anything, any kind of harm to the community around them. Yeah, they're they, actually they may be hurting themselves with Fago and Red Bull, but yeah, all, everybody does. Jesus, salts, yeah, but come fuck on. Them. Who cares? I mean, pe- people are fucking themselves up with shitty processed foods and heart disease. And as long and as there's fucking a pharmaceuticals castle. regularly, which is fine. I love all those things. I love just jamming some Oxycon into a fucking steak, roasting it on some poisonous gas and just ingesting that shit i want to do that fine but uh, i'm not hurting anybody else and stories like that i mean as long as there's a sausage castle and a juggalo fest the world's going to be a more colorful place for it yes absolutely so um yeah it's over sausage castle's done we'll report for when now. the next one starts i was gonna up. say the next one starts up we'll have we'll have we should actually reach out to Busey again because i think i'll try tried before, I, i've written him a couple and just, emails. And just be like we you know we're sorry about here uh hearing about that the second another sausage castle starts up uh you know I'm sure we'll know about it, but let let us know what's going on. Maybe we'll, you know, it'd be nice to to, to shout it out and and give a chat and maybe see what he's up to. And again, I'd fucking love to have him on the show. 
All right. I think on that note, we're going to go out this week now. Um, yeah. If you'd like to find us on any of the social medias out there, you can find uh, our show at The Lost at Home on Twitter and myself personally at Tears for Candy. That's my uh, personal account if you want to say hi. Yeah. I'm uh, at Sonic Jalopy. Um, our buddy uh, Bruce Bruce from a couple episodes um, ago was uh, uh, at Dingo Droppings. Yep. You can get him too. And if you want to go to our website, the Lost, or lost at Home Podcast.com, no the. Just lostathomepodcast.com. You can find links to all of our old shows. You can even see at the very top, we have a nice little menu bar where you can look for just our interview episodes. You can even click on our store and buy t-shirts to help support the show, amongst other fine items such as mugs, shot glasses, and, you know, fun stuffs. Um, You can also find, uh, let's see, where else? We have a YouTube page you can go to. Uh, 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 We both have Instagrams. You're Sonic Jalopy. Oh, yeah. Actually, I use that way more. Uh, I'm at Sonic Jalopy on, or whatever it is, it's Sonic Jalopy on, yep. on Instagram. And it's I an actually, act. I usually uh, use that a lot more just because most of, first of all, words, blue, like, blue. <laughs> blue is a word. <laughs> Here's some words. Blue. <laughs> cabbage. <laughs> uh, blue rock, again. <laughs> paper, scissors. Blue. Fuck, why don't I know more words? Uh, no, boo words and yay pictures. And yeah. I like art and stuff. So You I can like find myself on Instagram at Legend Tripper with an underscore in the middle see some pictures and uh, uh, besides that just uh, keep coming back and uh, support the show we appreciate yeah. it and this week if you guys could all just take a moment to maybe retweet this episode uh, normally we don't like doing these deplorable begging sessions but <laughs> but it's nice as a listener with all of your followers who follow you and your brilliant tweets if you send us out there to them you never know we might get a few new listeners who have a like-minded opinion such as yours yeah and, and that being said thanks to everybody who's already done so and we do get a lot of love on Twitter and keep that coming because it's always nice to hear that people enjoy the show or uh, or don't enjoy it and we can just uh, you know just have fun braiding people too so yep. you can find us on uh, RedTube at uh, oh whoops <laughs> <laughs> at Cruise, Cruise's Missile yeah um, uh, yeah so that's th- that's that uh, we're gonna go out this week actually on uh, touching back to uh, uh, David Michael Latt we're gonna go to the Ballad of Sharknado which if you have seen um, Sharknado 3, which you should have seen it by now. If not, please go check it out on uh, Netflix and a lot of the other spots, Hulu maybe too, um, iTunes, whatever. The Ballad of Sharknado is the uh, intro theme. It's a really catchy, like, punky kind of song. Um, it's by a band called Quint, and you can find it on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, stuff like that. So uh, with that being said, we're going to go out on them, and thank you for listening, and have a great week, folks. Shark!